970 WAMD Aberdeen, and this is the Harford Edge, keeping you on the cutting edge of what's new in Harford County and beyond. I'm co-host Jennifer Button from the Harford County Public Library, and that is Bob Mumby. The Harford Edge is brought to you each week by your Harford County Public Library. Today we'll be talking with Derek Hopkins, Harford County Register of Wills, and also co-founder and chairman of the Char Hope Foundation. Hello, Bob. What's on your mind this morning? Oh, good morning. Well, the, the weather's on my mind, and the school buses are on my mind, because, again, um, all the school buses in Hartford County have, are wired in, so when they when I leave my house, they go to the route that I'm taking to this, and they go in front of me and stop, even if they're not <laughs> picking kids up. <laughs> so I haven't been able to solve it yet, but it's, love seeing, it's great seeing the kids out there without their bundled up winter coats and they still have their 80 pound backpacks <laughs> and um, w one thing that annoyed us and we're going to keep on saying it and keep on talking about it till everybody in the world knows it don't contribute to these lowlifes who call you on the phone at night asking for money because almost without exception they are from marketing firms and they're only giving a small percentage if any, of the money you pledge to the actual causes. Um, uh, I'll give you an example, and this is from the good folks at the Tampa Bay Tribune who, uh, who follow this. They call it Charity Watch. Firefighters Burn Fund collected $2 million last year from, from folks. Um, exactly $30,000 went to the cause. The rest went to, uh, as percentage, to the to the cold callers and then administrative fees of the cold calling firm. Um, survivors and victims empowered. Sounds beautiful, right? 7.7 .7 million um, collected, 4.8 million went to marketing firm, and the rest was kept as um, administrative costs by this bogus charity. Um, Shiloh International Ministries, which you've heard of, is also, um, they collected 7.7 .7 million last year and only 1.1% went to the kids. Kids Wish Network, United Deputy Sheriff's Association, Woman to Woman Breast Cancer Foundation, Youth Development, Development Fund, um, Children's Leukemia, um, ch Helping Children Victims of Addiction. Billions raised and less than 1% got to the folks that need it. Hang up on them, report them, tell them what you think of them, and then go and give to Char Hope or the Boys and Girls Club or United Way or SARC or ARC or whatever. That's my gripe for today. It's valid. I mean, I, <laughs> I definitely am questioning the accountability piece for those. Uh, those well, they hide behind due process. Um, uh, you know, and it, it, they'll set up these companies, and they, they're just always stay one step ahead of the law. And the, the secretaries of state and um, the prosecution, prosecutorial bar, I don't think do a great job of coordinating um, with the, uh, the national um, law enforcement, like the FBI, etc. Um, I wish there was. Uh, something more that could be done, but there's a lot more pressing things, I guess, and it's just tough with due process um, to really just shut these people down. It's a disgrace. So that is that.
Um, what do we want to do now? We're going to do some trivia, right? Sure. Did you do trivia? I did. Okay. Yeah. Are you guys going to help me? Yeah. Good. Uh-oh. <laughs> I think someone likes that challenge. <laughs> By the way, we didn't introduce you, Myra. Let's, we have uh, Myra here as the program director for Shar Hope Foundation. Uh, she's here with Derek. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, my name is Myra Derbyshire. Um, I just moved to Hartford County about two years ago. Um, I am the program director at Shar Hope Foundation, and um, I am a firm believer in that this program works and that we do nothing but offer good things to our residents. Um, I'm in recovery myself. I feel very strongly about it, and um, I'm really happy to be part of the organization. And other than having a name right out of a Jane Austen novel, <laughs> uh, where did you move here from? Uh, I grew up in Frederick County. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I was glad to have you here. And I think I'm going to get some very able-bodied assistance on this trivia. Well, I'm not I... saying you're not going to help me, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> I got a sense that yeah, Myra's got, yeah. <laughs> got some firepower over there. Well, if I'd known you were getting help, I would have made these uh, questions a little harder. But <laughs> Okay. All right, so let's start off with something easy. So See, what... don't tell me that. <laughs> that just sets the expectation for you. What actor plays the role of Cole Trickle in the 1990 movie Days of Thunder? See, I'm... Do you know, I'm not... No? No, I never saw the movie. I don't... Okay. Um... So it's a NASCAR-related film. Oh, J uh, Tom... So Tom uh, Cruise. Yes. Okay. See, that was easy. That was buried somewhere that... It's one of the movies I his I swore never to watch. Like that and Cocktail, where he's doing the backflips, mixing drinks and stuff. Well, it's NASCAR season. I have to, I have to okay. stick with it. Okay. Okay. What gas is exhaled by humans? CO2. Yes, carbon dioxide. And uh, plants inhale CO2 and exhale oxygen, which right. is why we need plants. Okay. Uh, what music is featured in the musical movie Mamma Mia? Um, ABBA. Yes. Yes. And what, why, what, what country are they from? Uh, somewhere near Denmark or Finland. Yeah. Right? yeah, it's like Norway or something. or In the middle. In Sweden? Yes. Okay. Right. <laughs> we knew it was in the north. Yeah. <laughs> um, who was the first British monarch to live in Buckingham Palace? Ooh. Henry VIII. No, it was a woman. Mm. Uh, Victoria. Yes. Yes, it was. And I actually read a really great book um, called Victoria uh, on one of our HCPL book lists um, that inspired me to ask the question. Her life is fascinating. She became monarch when she was 18. So really, really interesting. Uh, it was. We're not doing it today, but we do a lot of uh, funny things that high school students write in essays. <laughs> thinking they had it right, and one of the students wrote, Queen Victoria uh, was responsible for Victorian England, and um, <laughs> she exposed herself to her troops, means she first appeared to her troops as queen, <laughs> at which point the troops all shouted hurrah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they did. <laughs> um, what is the main ingredient in borscht? Beets. Yes. I don't know how I knew that. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> um, in Alice in Wonderland, what is the last thing that disappears on the Cheshire Cat? I know this, but the smile. Yes. Because when CDs came out, um, 
the way someone explained it to me, what they, they said with CDs, because you know you normally have analog with a stylus rubbing on grooves. Um, with CDs, the 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 cat isn't there, but the smile still is, because it's digital. So that always explains it to me, mm. and it prepared me for this question. Thirty years. <laughs> <ago>. <laughs> uh, what year was the U.S. an Olympic Games host for the first time? Ooh. Um, um, well, uh, was it L.A.? I don't know. I didn't get the location. I just got the year. Thirty-two. No, 04. Oh, um... Who was it in 1904? Oh, wow. I um, know. It might have been the first Lake Placid. Was it a winter or summer? It was a winter game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and look Because it was up. Lake Placid twice. Saw Lake City once. Um, and Lake Tahoe. No, Squaw Valley, 1960. Ask me what. Ask me the name of. Ask me my kids' names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's do. Cindy one more. always says, "What important info is being crowded out of that head <laughs> by the the stuff you know?" It was useful today. Okay. Um, all right, last one. Sierra Leone is located on which African coast? Um, the west coast of Africa. It is the west coast. Job. In the land of the lion, in Latin. Do you know Latin? No. No, you just know that. <laughs> well, Sierra or mountain of the lion. That's impressive. Or maybe mountain lion. Sierra Leone, mountain lion, mountains of lions, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Good job, Bob. Okay, it was well. Tough to stump you today. <laughs> well, I'm not. Hey, I'm not going to say you asked me real tough ones, but. Well. <laughs> And, well, we're going to continue with the educational portion of this. Um, we always like to do a few birthdays or um, this day in history. Um, today is would have been Oscar Schindler's 109th birthday. Wow. wow. He died in 1974 at the age of 66. He was famous for saving several hundred um, Jews in... Um, from certain death in um, in Auschwitz, um, Harper Lee, who wrote my favorite book, died last year. She would have been ninety one today. She wrote *To Kill a Mockingbird*, best book ever. And the pl guy who played Mr. Potter in my favorite movie, *It's a Wonderful Life*, Lionel Barrymore, was born in eighteen seventy eight. Um, and the last thing. Totally unrelated to everything, we have a quiz. Should the toilet paper roll over the top or from under the bottom? I mean, my vote is over the top, so you can see it coming. Myra? I really don't care, but people have told me over the top. Derek? Just don't leave an empty roll. Good point. <laughs> I know, I was in trouble for, for getting the roll out, but just placing it on top yeah. of the... <laughs> Of the dispenser, not actually installing it. <laughs> as long as it's there, that's that is the more important. Yeah. You can set it on top as long as you mm -hmm. replace one. It has to come over the top. I mean, it's under underneath it, just it's not American. <laughs> well, it sneaks up on you. Well, some people with cats say you have to do it under the bottom because they, if it's over the top, they 
get up, mm. and then they just, anyway. Okay, now we've got the important stuff out of the way. Let's talk about <laughs> saving lives and making sure that everything is uh, taken care of when someone passes. But before that, um, we'll, we uh, have time for some news. Um, so let's go to news. And uh, unfortunately, it's related to um, one of the things we're going to be talking about uh, today. Um, this is, and, and Derek and Myra, you can speak to this as, as we go through it, but th th they're finding that the heroin being found at overdose scenes is... Uh, they can't even test it in the field anymore because it could be so dangerous to deputies handling it. This was uh, some great uh, reporting by Erica Butler today. Um, um, because of the, 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 the synthetics, um, it's, it's being tested now by detectives at a facility that has an air filtration system um, because um, they can get accidental disposure. This stuff is so strong now. And there's the... the, the the fentanyl and then the the car fentanyl, which is supposedly a hundred times stronger than the fentanyl. So, um, so this is going in such in such the op opposite direction. Um, a car fentanyl. That's it. Um, that it, it it's it speaks more to 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 the task that's in front of us. Um, and it's just amazing to have, have, have read this, um, what, it's, what it's doing. And uh, related to that, um, the, the, the medical examiner's office had to get an approval to add um, three new positions because of um, the increased number of autopsies that they're having mm -hmm. to do because uh, autopsies are in the, in the case of a suspicious death, an accident, um, something that uh, uh, is, is unexplained. And um, with uh, the deaths from overdoses continuing to just grow like crazy, they've had to actually add um, um, new medical examiners um, to, uh, to, to the staff. It was just absolutely amazing. Um, so, and we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, more. The other thing where people can seemingly do something about it, it was uh, there was 23 fatal crashes in Hartford County in 1916 um, um, and that is up um, it's almost double what it was uh, six years ago and um, but it has to do with um, the amount of cars on our roads which were not designed for that amount of volume or the speed but also and we, as we all see it um, a lot more crazy driving taking place out there um, certainly distracted driving and um, we're all guilty of being distracted in some way while we're driving. But when you're operating a $3,000 piece of machinery and you take your eyes off where you're going, um, it's not surprising what can often happen. So that's something we can also help avoid. Um, the last thing is we have an election coming up uh, Tuesday in Haverty Grace for mayor. Um, it's been quite a colorful um, campaign season, but um, if you live in Haver de Grace, make sure you get out there and vote because um, um, elections have consequences, as, a, as we've been told by many people. And um, that's all we're going to do on news today because we do have a lot to talk about with the folks that we have with us today. So.
Okay, well, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking with Harford County Register of Wills, Dara Hopkins. The Harford County Public Library's Innovation Lab, located at the Abington Library, is now open to the public with hands-on training for area community members ages 6th grade and above. Through creative experiences in the Innovation Lab, you can develop new skills, resources, and products that will help to drive Harford County's economy forward. The Innovation Lab's technology includes the MarketBot Replicator 5th Generation 3D Printer, 3D creation software including MarketBot and PrinterBot, 123D Make and 123D Design, professional green screen with Studio Lightbox and both Apple and Windows computers all to help create your electronic video, audio publishing, and 3D design projects. For more information or to reserve the Innovation Lab for your special project, call 410-638-3990 or visit the Abington Library at 2510 South Tollgate Road. Welcome back. I'm co-host Jennifer Button for the Harford County Public Library, and that is Bob Mumby, and this is the Harford Edge. We're delighted to have Harford County Register of Wills, Derek Hopkins, in the studio with us today. Derek is also the co-founder and chairman of the Char Hope Foundation, which is dedicated to helping adults who are facing the challenges of substance abuse to move toward a long-term recovery. Derek, welcome, and thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you both. And thank you both uh, for, for uh, taking the time for this. And we're going to get enlightened about a lot of things today, and we're looking forward to it. But first, uh, since... Derek is so humble. We're going to read his a short bio of him, since um, he probably won't crow about any of this himself. Um, Derek K. Hopkins is the creator of uh, Char Hope and has spent the last five years uh, serving as the Harper County Register of Wills. Actually, it's not six or seven years, right? Um, prior to being elected, he was a full-time auctioneer appraiser, fifth-generation Harford County farmer, and a third-generation real estate agent who has focused on estate services. Derek is a graduate of the Missouri Auction School, Kansas City. He is also a graduate of the three-year certified auctioneer institute at Indiana University, Bloomington, Indiana. He's a member of the Harford County Agriculture Advisory Board and is for preserving the industry and way of life. Welcome. Thank you, Bob. Register of Wills. Yes. What do you do? In a nutshell, we pretty much handle, um, once someone passes, they'll come in and open either a smaller or regular estate. We'll assist them as much as we can. You know, we can't give legal advice in our office. Um, although many times the attorneys do call us to, and, you know, ask them, what do we do? Um, but, but the law says we can't give legal advice. But, um, you know... A lot of it gets down to, at the end of the day, our real job is supposedly to collect inheritance tax. Um, but our job is a lot more than that. Um, you know, we, we audit the estates um, to make sure that the will is, you know, the assets are being distributed per the will. Now that sounds like very technical and automatic, but <clears throat> it, mu it must be heartbreaking for you and, and angering sometimes to see how people who aren't aware of all the things involved in this process when someone passes. They're not prepared legally. There's those around them. They may be looking to take advantage of them. Um, you know, there's often resources that they need and knowledge that they need that they don't have. What are the things as far as, far as that? And what do you see? And what can people do now um, 
for example, uh, there's been some great programs. I know you were involved in it uh, in the giving um, between the Hartford County Bar Foundation and community services to to uh, to educate seniors on on, on planning and success, succession planning. Um, yeah. Bob, look, absolutely. I mean, anybody listening that, that has a church group or some sort of group that they go to can certainly call my office, talk to me, and I'll come out and speak to their group. Um, and, and that's a lot more in depth. Um, normally what I'll do is I'll bring in a state attorney with me from, mm -hmm. the, from the area um, so that if a legal question does arise, hopefully they can answer that. Um, but we, uh, we are totally, um, totally about getting out there and educating the individuals. You know, we're seeing a lot of um, abuse, abuse of the estates, abuse of power. Um, these individuals, uh, and, and they're their own children in many cases, or grandchildren who, you know, have a great background in, in, in education as far as, I guess that's why grandma or granddad picked them to be it. But, for example, I have a gentleman who, you know, misused over $300,000 of estate money, not there anymore. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's bad. That, and that's something that's reassuring because we had an issue with a family member, an uncle of mine that passed in Virginia and, um, it, it just seemed there was a, it was fairly easy for someone close to him to, to take advantage of that situation because it's, it feels like the only real, only thing standing in the way of that is the register of, of wills. Uh, because um, I no noticed on your website that you also provide some oversight to representatives and those who were appointed as executors. and We try to guide them as much as we can through the process. I mean, we can give legal advice. It, it comes back mm -hmm. to that. You know, and many times if, if our staff or my staff says, look, uh, you probably need legal counsel, there's probably a good reason you do need, do need to get legal counsel and that you probably shouldn't do it by yourself. Um, you know, we're not the police. Uh, you know, we will do our best to try to get them involved, uh, especially if somebody has stolen assets or, or done something that isn't, um, you know, legal or fair to the family. Um, but again, we're not the police, so we can't just go out there and get them. So I, I, one of the things I guess is that I, uh, uh, you would encourage uh, people to do is always have it pretty clearly delineated what your wishes are if you become incapacitated or, or if you pass because and if there's something to be fought about it probably will be and so many people us probably included would just say oh come on it's my kids it's my wife and kids they're going to figure out something equitable they're going to be selfless they're going to be right. fair you know Bob and, and, and what is an estate asset an estate asset is at the time of your passing is the an item only in your name alone the decedent's name alone so if you have, you know, what I'm seeing too is, is mom or dad are in that, that period of life where they need assistance with their bank accounts or whatever, so they just take and put one child on the bank account knowing that giving them access to help handle the bills and everything. But then when they pass, you know, the original deal was, well, look, when I pass, make sure you share it with your brothers and sisters. There's no legal obligation there. I mean, they... That, that's a joint bank account between the parent and the individual on in it. That money passes straight to them, so they don't have to. You know, we have no jurisdiction over that. So these programs that does edu do educate people on it yeah. is something that's really um, important because you must have some heartbreaking stories. Well, we definitely tell um, some stories. 
And uh, what is the Orphan's Court? So the Orphan's Court um, is, is where all the cases that are relating around estates are handled. Um, now what is interesting is out of the 24 jurisdictions, there are only two counties in the state that actually use the circuit court judges sitting as the Orphan's Court, Harford County and Montgomery County. Many of the counties just uh, elect three lay people who sit on the, on the Orphan's Court. Um, most of the registers throughout the state, you know, really like the way we have it because it makes it simpler. Because, see, in a lot of those jurisdictions where they have the lay people sitting, if the people don't like that decision, then they take it to the circuit court anyway. as an appeal level where we've already kind of knocked that out. So in what ways is the orphan's court, I mean, why is it there? How, how does it, 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 it obviously protects the rights of orphans and it, 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 it also helps decide asset issues and other It's, it's really there issues. for asset issues. It's really there for the estate issues. You know, if we have to appoint a personal representative, if there's a caveat proceeding, which means someone says that this will is, I want to challenge this will, that'll go before the orphan's court. Okay. Because that's something that's always fascinated me as far as orphan's court and, you know, declaratory judgment. Is it that the right word? Um, where someone can be clear, de declared to have passed away, even if they there's no body or evidence. Yeah, um, well, you're, you're going to have to bring us a death certificate, at, okay. and a, you know, and a, at least an obituary. Okay. Before we even entertain Okay. You know that. Um, also, let your listeners know too that we have moved from the circuit courthouse to 18 Office Street this week. Um, so we are uh, moved over there. Phone number? 410 638 3275 is the office line. And my pen just ran out of ink. Well, just found one. Okay, and your website? Um, www.registers with an S period, Maryland spelt out, dot gov. Okay. And there's a lot of great information on there, Bob. I mean, there's the forms we use, a lot of them are on there, but also a lot of publications. Um, I went on the website last night, and it uh, fre frequently asked questions and frequently used terms. I got myself an education that I had no clue on. Plus, I... I the breakdown of the family tree. The family tree. tree. <laughs> There, go on this website, folks, and there is a breakdown of a family tree. As ba it's basically the branches of next of kin, and it goes out to third cousin five times removed. And um, I think you need to be in Mensa to understand what removed means. But um, go to this website; it's really, it's really amazing. Um, and because this is this stuff, again, some people say, oh, you know, this stuff is just basic stuff. But I mean, it's critical things i mean like the, with the orphans court wasn't wasn't this um this animal who shot pat and mark last year wasn't he declared dead in pennsylvania about five years ago because of an asset issue i don't know the answer um well he was i was just um and it was the orphans court that declared him dead because there was assets involved even though he was uh, living in florida um I remember on 911, I lost my best buddy. He was a policeman. He died in the Trade Center. Um, the city had a, it issue issued 1,400 death certificates without a body, called death in absentia, because these they still haven't identified my 
my buddy and there's over uh, about 1,100 people that have still not identified. They have a lot of remains, but they can't identify them. And um, actually, I wrote it for you. We had a, did a one-page affidavit, and they issued a death certificate. And I know I'm digressing, but I thought you'd find this interesting. The manner of death, homicide, is what they issued. It surprised me, but then I realized it's true. Um, okay, well, this is um, this is really uh, I, everyone. Just go, go to this website or or give give uh, the register of, of wills. Uh, team a call because you're going to learn something that's going to save you or your loved ones a lot of trouble and anxiety. I guarantee it. And um, now let's go uh, to really important work. Not that that work isn't important. Tell us about Shar Hope Foundation. So Shar Hope um, started, uh, I guess, over two years ago now, um, and actually a little bit before that. Um, and it has really grown and since the last time you and I talked. Um, we now have, you know, a house. It's up and running. Um, you know, one of the uh, elders of the uh, church um, named it the best. Uh, every, you know, there's a, a lot of stigma behind the word halfway house, which isn't, you know, it truly is a learning to live house. Um, because once the residents come to, to live with us, it, they're really on their own. They're individual people. You know, we kind of guide them and oversee them, but they're technically them, they're their own people. And um, I think the learning to live house is a great a great way to put it. And um, I really like that catchy phrase. And um, I'm going to tell the folks that Char Hope, um, the term is related to, and I only know this, I've known this since Derek told me, that Char is a breed of cattle. Char lay cattle. Okay. Beef cattle. Okay. And um, <coughs> tell us... Um, you know, we're going to ask you to talk about who else is involved and who you, who you would like to thank. Certainly how people can get involved uh, in any number of ways. Uh, but tell us the, the genesis of this and how you came to be doing this beautiful and, and powerful work. Uh, in a real short story, I, I took a young man in, uh, moved him into our house for Christmas one year. And um, my wife and I at Christmas... Eve decided to ask him to live with us for a while, and he lived with us for almost a year. So we kind of mentored him and, and got him a job and tried to get him on the right path. But where I realized I slipped was getting him the the recovery part. Getting him the job was great, but we didn't focus on his recovery. And so when I kicked back and looked at it, I said, no, I want to make this bigger, but the biggest part of this isn't getting a job, it's, it's getting him the recovery the 12 steps and, and working all that um, and so then that's how I built Char Hope is to make it and then give it to an agricultural experience I watched how he interacted with our show cattle and and the smile it brought to his face and how relaxed he was so that's when I said I make it bigger so you know these girls are actually get a chance and it's not mandatory it's totally optional but they'll actually get to pick out a calf and show it at, hopefully at the Maryland State Fair this year and that was in, what was that, uh, in the fall of 15? What was that? That you started it? You decided to start this? Yeah, I think that was, Bob. I mean, it was a while ago now. And then you got it going last year. I yeah. did. I tell you, we've had a great support, um, a great board of directors that, that supports everything we do. Um, 
Well, let's let's mention some then. Now I know we have um, the uh, um, Carol from Terra. Carol, yeah, Carol's. Great. There's really ten Carols, I think, <laughs> <laughs> because no one person could be involved in and have so much energy for for so many things. She definitely needs to be cloned. And the brave. Uh, Sandy, Sandy Gallion, Gallion, her husband yes. Nolan, who could not be honoring their boy's life any more than the way are they they're uh, they're uh, doing it now. And Tom Yingling, um, who again is a, another board member who lost a loved one. Um, Susie Eric, Comer's on the Susie board. Susie Comer, yep. Uh, Eric McLaughlin. Okay. Uh, Benny Walker. Okay. Is our treasurer. Benny is the treasurer of. Everything. Everything. <laughs> he does a great job. <laughs> and it's a great firm. Really, they do. Warren Kronick. I'd like to know. I'd like to add that uh, they came in third place behind Team Slate Ridge in the Kiss a Pig oh. contest last year for um, for the Boys and Girls Club. I feel that was a little poke. <laughs> <laughs> Carol was also the leader of that team. But Benny is now the secret was secretary of the Boys and Club. He got me stuck to be the treasurer. But anyway, we digress. Um, who would you like to recognize as far as other um, folks or institutions or businesses that have stepped up? Listen, here here recently, the one who has really, uh, well, there's been a bunch, but um, the Homecoming Project um, is another uh, a girls' facility, I guess we would call it, home, um, that really, uh, when I got into a time of where do I go, who do I turn to, Robin uh, snatched me up. My cousin and I, who also sits on my board, Lauren, uh, says, hey, come to my house. Come to our house right now. I want to give you a tour. The amount of information that I learned in those couple hours um, has really helped us build this amazing tool. You know, homecoming has a success rate of over 80% success rate. That is extremely huge when we're looking at a national average of 4% of successful recovery. Oh. So... For me, the biggest part was agriculture. So why am I going to go recreate that wheel when you have a successful model? So the partnerships that you build in this um, between nonprofits, for-profits, um, it, it's great. So um, ACR is another group that helps um, get people into recovery. They, uh, they get sponsorships to get them into recovery because there is an intake fee. Um, the Turning Point Project Another one who sponsors individuals to get in recovery, but is also now starting their own uh, men's house. Um, who am I missing? Oh, the health department. Oh, man, the health the Hartford County Health Department is doing some great things. Oh, fantastic. And the opiate court um, of Hartford County is doing some great things. Um, that's something really pay attention to. I think that's something that's really going to grow, grow here in Hartford County. I think Judge Carey and his team and, and the health department and probation, they all work together. It's an amazing thing to see. And I know some, some folks in the circuit court, too, and we have some really good um, judges there that, um, you know, it's the last resort as far as they're concerned. Sentencing is the last, it has to be the last resort for nonviolent, for just users, because once folks enter the system, um, it, it, it just makes the boulder that they're trying to push up the hill uh, 50 times heavier. And, and on that note, talk about the challenge that you saw to, uh, to, to someone in recovery uh, to stay in recovery. Because they're, say their treatment mon money would run out, uh, they didn't always have the right living situation, 
And a lot of what you focused is on is helping to pick up the ball and assist them in continuing in their recovery. Isn't that where a lot of times that people slide back when their, their recovery uh, continuity or progress is stalled because of resources or whatever the case may be? I think the biggest one for me is the resources. That, that is huge to me. I'm hoping we have a lot of business owners that are listening to this. You know, feel free to contact Char Hope and say that you're always looking for an employee. You know, a lot of these people, they come to us with a, with a, a track record that, that isn't great. But listen, these people are working hard to make a better life for themselves. But the toughest thing is they go out, Bob, to try to get a job. And they say, oh, we can't hire you because of your record. And, and we need companies that will continue to look past that and, and work with us to give them a chance because they've done so great and now all of a sudden they can't get a job and then they just, you know, yeah, and, they and, get back down on themselves. And, and people, we're all guilty of it. You, you know, we, we don't, we otherize people. We, we dehumanize their, their, their plight, ignoring the fact that we would be in the exact same position um, if we were under the circumstances that they did. It, every, it's easy for everyone to say, oh, come on, just buck it up. But this is something that is a, a, a disease that is stronger um, often than life itself. Uh, so um, people just... Um, I mean, we had, there was an attempt, a very good attempt to, at some mo moderate shielding and expungement um, in the state legislature. I don't think it passed, where if someone had a nonviolent drug offense, that even if they couldn't get it expunged, it could be shielded in an employment record search. And, and people were against that. I mean, if someone committed a, a, a nonviolent drug offense five years ago, and it was one time, and it's going to mean them not getting a job. Mm -hmm. Isn't that just... Why aren't people looking at it from the human side? Is it the rhetoric of people on... The wingnuts on both sides of the aisle? It could be. It, it could be. And, and, and the fear of, well, what if they steal from me? Mm -hmm. You know, or this or that. Yeah. Well... But, uh, you know... I think Myra should talk a little bit about the beginning of your questions, you know, about, you know, what is Char Hope in comparison to, you know, when you, how do you get to Char Hope? Yeah, and that, and that uh, we would love to hear that. Yeah, um, well, one thing that came to mind when you were talking about um, <clears throat> getting jobs and stuff, especially in early recovery, um, <clears throat> something that I've noticed, especially in Harford County, is that people are very open to people in recovery because the recovery network here is so huge because there's so many treatment centers and, ha you know, halfway houses or recovery houses in the area, um, and the recovery network is very tight-knit. Um, and part of being in a 12-step program, you learn to show up and you learn to work hard and you learn to be honest and work all these spiritual principles. And what I've noticed is that... Um, especially right in early recovery, like you, you start to learn those things. And sometimes, you know, we're, we can be better employees than you know, people who aren't in recovery, regardless of our record and regardless of our, you know, job history and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I, I am proud to say I'm in recovery, you know, here, especially in Hartford County, because they've really worked hard to take the stigma away from what, what being an addict or an alcoholic really is. Well, I think that's one of the, the, the good consequences of this horrible 
epidemic is that it, it's no longer people can't ignore it they can't mm -hmm. view it as an other side of the tracks issue mm -hmm. or a socioeconomic status issue or whatever the case may be um, as a matter of fact it's it's more prevalent in uh, the, the, the richer uh, areas of the absolutely county. I mean I had a dealer who told me we follow the money yeah so how um, how does someone um, what does someone do uh, um, or a loved one uh, uh, even if they see someone maybe not be ready mm -hmm. um, to think about recovery or and not even being self-aware enough yet what, what what does someone do? And then talk about how your work um, has saved um, saved folks. Okay. Um, well, most people, um, especially when it comes to heroin and opiates, um, they need like a like a medical uh, detox. So they go to a treatment center, whether it be twenty eight day inpatient or you know. A, um, a detox at the psych ward or something like that um, and there are a lot of places that offer that in Hartford County. Um, there is a nonprofit that Derek had mentioned earlier called Addiction Connection Resource. Um, I'm not sure their phone number off the top of my head but they are an excellent program um, that, pe that anyone can call and they can direct you in the best way for your loved one or for yourself um, if you're seeking recovery. Um, as far as Char Hope goes um, I get a lot of calls from a lot of family members, um, and I normally direct them to ACR or to Turning Point Project or to somebody that can help them in a more better way than I can. Um, but definitely give give us a call um, if you're interested or if you have any questions. You know, I'll try my best to answer them, and if not, I'm familiar with a lot of resources that I can put you in contact with. Okay, that's 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 good to know because if if I have a loved one. I know they have a problem. On some level, they, they may know, but they're mm -hmm. still resistant. Mm -hmm. We actually, um, part of our board actually is creating a family support group also. Um, so, uh, you know, whether you're, um, you're the person who's seeking recovery or not, or if you're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle or, you know, or a, a loved one of somebody, um, you can go ahead and also give Char Hope a call and I can put you in contact with um, two of our board members are actively working on creating um, a family support group to support parents or family members through that. Okay. So let's talk about the house. Okay. Um, how many folks, eight residents now? We have a capacity of eight. Um, we currently have three residents. So, um, you know, we are brand new. We're trying to fill the beds, but I, I do do a pretty um, intensive screening process with them to make sure that they're a right fit because it is a high structure. You know, our program is um, six months to a year. You know, I'm a, wow. firm, I'm a firm believer that it works, and I know Derek is too. We've seen a lot of success stories. You know, I'm, I'm one of them. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely beneficial, but it takes someone who's definitely willing to do the work. So, so it must be a... Heck of a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. And I'm, I'm blessed to have two great people managing that house, Myra and Cam. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's good to know that I, they have my back. And, I, and when I'm at work, I can focus on my work and I don't have to really worry about the house because it's in good hands. Um, the biggest thing, too, is our volunteer base. Yes, who we need to thank. It's our volunteer base.
um, at charhope, C-H-A-R, hope.org, there's a, a button right on the homepage that says volunteer. Click on that, fill out a volunteer application, and then in the bottom right-hand corner is our members only section. Join that. We're always looking for, for retirees or, or folks that could help drive our, our residents to, to work or back. Um, we have a great group of volunteers doing it now. There's a husband and wife team that um, just since we opened in January have tracked over a, a thousand miles um, getting people to and from work or to and from meetings or to and from you know counseling. So. Um, so transportation is a, is a, is a key. Oh, it is. I mean, luckily, Bob. Hey, since the last time we were here, we did end up raising over twenty thousand dollars to purchase a twelve passenger van. So now we've also put in for a grant to hopefully uh, maybe be able to hire a an assistant to hire, aka driver of the van, so that'll kind of take a little bit off all the volunteers. But we'll see. You, you got got to make the van small enough that. It, because otherwise you can't find the drivers because the school system <laughs> hires them all. We have that at the Boy and Girls Club. <laughs> Get it small enough so that a few less licenses required. But the generosity of individuals, Bob. I mean, when we did that van, a gentleman um, uh, gave us $10,000 from Florida to purchase that van because he believes in what we're doing. And, and that's very heartfelt. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so... Volunteering, transportation, donations. Um, um, what about in-kind uh, things uh, like supplies and other materials to run the house? Uh, so we take um, ongoing donations of like toiletries, feminine hygiene products. You have a wish list on the site. Um, we do on the Facebook website, um, but we don't. I'll try and see if we can figure that out. Um, but we do on the Facebook website. So if you are on Facebook, you can just um, search Shar Hope Foundation, um, and right there we have a list of all of our needs. Um, that you know we're taking ongoing donations of you know fem feminine hygiene products or toiletries, um, soap, sponges, things like that. Okay. Um, and how do how do folks help get the word out? Uh, for instance, this gentleman in Florida. How did he find out about you? It was actually a, a meeting between my, it's a friend of my uncle's, um, and, and was helping my cousin do something, and they got talking about Char Hope, and he said, well, what's the need? And she said, well, you know, we really need a van to get these girls around so we can get them jobs and, and keep them going in a positive way. And he said, well, wait a minute, I forgot something in my car, and he goes out to his car, and he comes back in and says, close your eyes, and hands her, you know, and says, go buy your van. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it is goosebumpy. Uh, it was goosebumpy. I can remember my cousin calling me that night. We were at the restaurant, and I had to excuse myself because I started crying. So it just meant so much. So. Well, they say some people go through life wondering whether they made a difference. That guy doesn't have to. Nor do you two. <laughs> yeah. um, when did you join, Myra? Um, I started January first. Okay. So we're and 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 what? If you don't mind talking about it, your road to recovery. Yeah. Um, uh, how did it, um, what made it work for you? How much was it inside you and how much was in the people around you? So I, um, I had, I, I am, a, I ha have relapsed several times, which is pretty normal for someone, um, who is an addict. Um, and I had, 
you know, tried to get clean a couple times by going to inpatients and stuff like that, and, you know, it was always my parents telling me to go, or my, you know, my family telling me to go, or trying to get away from, you know, all my problems, um, and it wasn't until, <clears throat> um, you know, they let go, you know, and they said, we're not going to enable you anymore, and you have to figure this out on your own, um, that I was really able to to make the decision for myself. And when I was finally able to make that decision for myself, you know, people like community members and people, you know, like 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 all these people that volunteer and give money and stuff like that really made a difference in my life. Um, I came I came to Phoenix Recovery Center in Edgewood and mm -hmm. um, that's kind of where my journey began. Um, and from there I had the opportunity to go to Homecoming Project, um, which was very scary at first. <laughs> um, you know, just the, you know, it's just completely stripping you of everything that you know, but that's exactly what I needed. Um, and <clears throat> when when I was there, you know, I, I, I learned to you know, do basic things, you know, I learned to cook, I learned to have manners, I learned to, you know, get to work on time every single day, you know, like all these things that my parents did teach me when I was younger, but addiction totally stripped it away from me. And, um, you know, I had the best experience of my life for that year that I was there. And I am for, forever grateful for that experience. And, um, you know, I, I wish nothing but to help these other girls experience what I experienced when I was in that house. And, um, you know, really being part of a 12-step program, you know, they, the 12th step is really like helping another addict keeps you clean. So that's really like what my intention is every day is just to help another person, you know, whether it's, you know, talk talk one of the residents through something, you know, just just help them as much as I can because by helping them it helps me also. What, what can you you share with all of us and uh, and everyone that's struggling with a, a burden like this? Uh, words are one thing, um, and they don't often help um, or get through in situations like this. But something got through to you and gave you the strength and the resolve mm -hmm. to turn it into action, which I can't imagine how hard that was to do and what strength it took. What can you share uh, some of the some of the things that occurred in you that enabled you the most of that? Uh, really um, one of the biggest things that that I noticed first first in my early recovery was other people having faith in me. You know, and I, I don't mean other people, you know, like babying me or, you know, holding my hand, but people not people actually having faith that I might get this or I'm, you know, like have, having faith that I'm going to be okay or having faith that like I'm not going to relapse again, you know. And when I started to notice that other people had faith in me when I didn't even have faith in myself, you know, that really opened up a lot of doors for me. And, um, you know, from there it kind of spiraled and, um, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that I had the opportunity to go to Phoenix Recovery Center because when I was there they you know they taught me about 12-step programs and they taught taught me about you know the importance of of talking about your past and you know being open about it and um you know helping other people and and really um I saw people come in um for an H&I meeting which is called Hospitals and Institutions 
and people and NA and AA go to programs like like treatment centers or like Perry Point or like the psych ward and they bring a meeting in there since they're not able to go out. And when I saw people like that and I was able to see people that can do this and they can, you know, they can get like six months clean or they can get a year clean or they can get, you know, a couple years clean. Like, I, you know, I would see that and I say, well, if they can do it, maybe I can do it. And, um, you know, I just, you know, I really, really what it was is, you know, it started with the faith for me, seeing people that had faith in me, and it's kind of, you know, snowballed into a bigger thing for me now, and, and really, like, faith is, um, having other people have faith in you when you don't have faith in yourself is really important. And I can't imagine how proud you must be of the work you're doing, and the difference you're making, because, you know, not a lot of people your age can say they're making these kinds of differences day in, day out, so... Hats off to the to Shore Hope and to each of you personally for the battles that you've taken on and um, everyone is better for it. We have only four minutes left, so we'll skip a break. Okay. And if you uh, want to stick around for four minutes, we normally have a little fun, but we don't even have much time for fun. But we'll, we'll talk about library happenings, and we have something tomorrow that's occurring. <coughs> Uh, because it rained last week. Romancing we the Chrome. We do. Uh, one of our most anticipated events, and uh, it rained all day last Saturday, so we have <laughs> moved it to tomorrow. Uh, Romancing the Chrome will be held at Jarrett's Field, which uh, if you can find your way to the heart of Jarrett's Field, you will find Romancing the Chrome uh, right there in the middle of the intersection uh, in the field behind Keene Dodge. Uh, we're going to have, obviously, cars and um, uh, a chance for them to win awards and prizes. Uh, we have food vendors, a beer garden, a DJ. We even have face painting for the kids, so it really will be a family affair. Um, and the car show benefits the Library Foundation and also the Jarrisville Lions Club, so it's a really great way to come out and support. Uh, it is a completely free event, um, so feel free to come on out and check out the cars. Um, I will definitely be there. I know everyone um, in the county that I've spoken to is at least trying to make it for part of the day. So come on out and see us from 10 to 4. Um, and if you've never gone to this, have you ever gone, Dirk, to the, this Romancing the Chrome thing? No, I, I have not. I know it's, it's up at the Carnival Grounds. That's yeah, and it's just, it's, it's this field with like hundreds of cars, and they're all these beautiful colors and chrome, and these people have restored them lovingly. It's really just a, it's, it's, it's a beautiful sight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to uh, getting my car restored as well so I can show up maybe next year. So I have to go check that out. We also have an event tonight um, at the Abingdon Library. It is called Graze and Glaze. So it's similar to, uh, to the Wine and Paint Night, um, but this is a non-alcoholic event. Um, but it will be held at the Abingdon Library. So if you're interested, give them a call. Uh, there is a fee and a registration process that you need to go through so that you can select your pottery for the evening. Um, we also have Monday, May 1st at the Joppa Library. Uh, we have Brewing in Maryland uh, from 6.30 to 8 p.m. This is another free event. Um, and they're going to really talk about the, the history of the brewing industry in Maryland, um, focusing on the immigrants that, that helped build that. 
um, and just talk about stories um, of the brewing families of Baltimore and Maryland. Um, so a really great piece of history there as well. I was at a, a meeting at uh, the International Brewing the other day, and that was good beer. <laughs> <laughs> it never hurts to sample what you're talking about, right? <laughs> Uh, we don't have a ton of time for Over the Edge, but we're going to do one thing, and it's tough title. This is, should be part of your training program for your folks, um, as far as, and, and for anybody, for you, for you, for you, for me. Uh, um, these are some actual stories of interviews, people who have interviewed people for jobs, some of the things these people have done. Um, one guy came in, sat down, and before we started said he's so well qualified that if he didn't get the job, it would prove that we're incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> a woman came in, uh, gave her the application, and she stretched out on the floor to fill it out because she's the most comfortable. <laughs> uh, a guy chewed bubble gum and blew bubbles during the whole interview. A woman wore a Walkman and said she, could, she was good because she could listen to music and talk to him at the same time. <laughs> um, came in with a burger and fries, said he was starving and hadn't eaten lunch and ate it on my desk. <laughs> Wore a jogging suit to an interview for position as a financial vice president. When I asked him about his hobbies, he stood up and started tap dancing around my office and pulled out a Polaroid camera and snapped a flash picture of me saying with a grin, he collected photos of everyone who interviewed him. <laughs> So, the quick do's and don'ts. And, and uh, that's all the time we have for the Harford Edge. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week.